listening to the Gator Sports Podcast with your host, Zach Alboverde. Coming in hot. And Graham Hall. Jumping. Coming smooth. Jumping. And the bass gets jumping. Brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. Welcome to another Gator Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun. I'm your host, Zach Alboverde, joined to my right by Graham Hall. Hoops writer and many more for the Gainesville Sun. And we are here to preview the NFL draft. And today we'll be joined by former Gators tight end Ben Troop, the highest drafted tight end in school history, although that's about to change on Thursday night. So we'll definitely uh, talk to him about Kyle Pitts, his career at Florida and in the NFL, and about these guys that are about to uh, go through this process and hopefully hear their names called this weekend. Graham, welcome into the uh, show, my man. How's it going? It's great to be here. I'm extremely excited for the NFL draft. I love the NFL draft, not only because if you are a fan of one of the 32 NFL teams out there, you get to see your team possibly make a massive improvement or mess up wildly. It could really go either way when you have your 10 minutes on TV there on Thursday night. And I cannot wait. But more importantly, Zach, I love watching all of the athletes that see their lives changed and knowing that their families' lives changed and may help set up generational wealth. I think of all of those things throughout the weekend, Zach, and I can't wait to hear Ben's thoughts on it because he went through it. Yeah, he did, absolutely. And he, and he was a guy that was uh, hoping to go in the first round like Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony, and he talked about that process and, and, and what that was like. It was a pretty interesting story that Ben told. But I, I'm sure uh, Kyle... Both Trask and Pitts are, are looking forward to what their experience is going to be like, as well as Tony. I mean, two guys uh, catching passes from Trask that have a chance to be the first Florida skill players to go in the first round since Percy Harvin in 2009. It's been that long Ooh. since the Gators had a running back, receiver, or tight end go in the opening round of the draft. So, And for Pitts, certainly has a chance to set all kinds of history, right? The Gators have never had a tight end go in the first round of the NFL draft. If he goes in the top five, he'll be just the second tight end in the common draft era to accomplish that feat. And he has a chance, if he goes number four, to be the highest drafted tight end ever in the common draft era. So a lot of history to be made, and, and certainly Pitts is the headliner, Graham. This is something I think we talked about last week where this is not something that's been in the cards for more than a year. I mean, right before that 2019 season, we were talking about Kyle Pitts having potential, but we didn't see this before last season. I mean, the way that he has improved and put himself in this position, absolutely, you have to give him so much credit. I know that people are going to say, oh, well, he's six foot six. Look at his wingspan. They're going to try and find ways to say, well, of course he should have been an NFL athlete, but the work that this guy has put in in the last 18 months. He didn't always run a 4-4. Yeah, not even close. I mean, we talk about this all the time. His teammates were kind of laughing at him for indicating that he could break that 4-5-6 range. You have absolutely seen him, and there's still room to be done. I know that we're going to talk to Ben about this as well, but the improvements that that guy could make from a junior to senior year, I mean, you often don't even see players able to start at the power six level until they are in their upperclassmen. The fact that Kyle Pitts has been dominating opposing defensive backs for what two years now I think you could say really since he stepped on campus as a freshman and we saw that potential he has put it all together and the scary thing is Zach that he can get even better and that's why teams are looking to do what we've never seen before like you said use potentially a top five pick on a tight 
end. I mean, this is a quarterback league where if you can throw the ball 70 yards, it looks like they're going to give you a first round draft pick these days. To have a guy like that be in the discussion with several other quarterbacks is just incredible to me. Yeah, and, and when you think about all the, the wide receivers in this class and how deep that group is, the fact that Pitts has a chance to be the first pass catcher off the board, that says a lot. I think when Jamar Chase decided to opt out, everybody probably assumed that it was going to be him, not Kyle Pitts. Uh, but you look at this draft, and for the Gators, I mean, they actually have, in total, 15 draft-eligible players. So a lot of guys that, if they don't hear their name called, will have a chance to sign with some NFL teams as, as free agents. And we won't go through all of them, but I think the Gators do certainly have a shot to either tie or break the school record for the most draft selections, which is nine from the 2007 and 2010 draft classes. So, I mean, Graham, I don't know how you see it playing out. If you've kind of got your own mock draft, I know you put out on Gatorsports.com who you thought the first five names uh, were going to be drafted from Florida. Just how do you see this playing out? What number do you think the Gators could get to in total? I think they're going to hit around seven. I think that when you look at those top five guys – Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, Kadarius Tony, Stone Forsyth, I think is going to be the the third or the fourth Gator off the board. That's incredible to me. We had talked, I think, a month and a half ago about him being a guy that's going to maybe creep in there to the fourth, fifth round maybe. I, I think he's going to be gone by the end of the third round, maybe sooner than that. I actually think when I wrote on Gatorsports.com this past week, I think that he could go ahead of Kyle Trask. And a lot of that is because so many teams have studied Kyle Trask's film that it's hard not to see Stone Forsythe's ability and his size jump off the page to you when you're watching that. But aside from that, I really am interested in some of these late round Gators. I think that Sean Davis, who really didn't get a chance to show what he could do at his pro day last month, he pulled up early there on his 40 yard dash, appeared to tweak his hamstring, did end up being okay there, but couldn't continue. I think he's going to go and actually be the first defensive back, a little bit of a hot take, first defensive back off the board for Florida ahead of Marco Wilson, who, as everyone knows by now, wowed teams a month ago with his athleticism at the pro day. I think Sean Davis will get drafted. After that, I have Marco Wilson going. We'll see if Donovan Steiner, Brad Stewart are worth a late flyer here as well. I'm just not too sure, but that's the exciting part about the draft, especially in this last year where there have been, I think, a little bit fewer resources for teams to really gather info. These are guys that have combined for a lot of starts in Florida's defensive backfield. I think that there's going to be a team that is going to take the risk on them, even though they didn't have amazing pro day results, and they're going to shock some people. So I'm going to go with seven right now, but if they can get to eight, I I don't know if they can get to nine, but if they can get at least eight guys, Zach, that'd be incredible. I'm going to say they get to eight. I definitely think that they they get to eight. Uh, My question is whether they get to nine and whether they can tie it. I'll be surprised if they set the record, but I'll be surprised if they don't have eight guys picked because I I definitely think, like the five you mentioned, Pitts, Tony, Trask, Marco Wilson, and Stone Forsythe, I think all those guys are definites. Um, I think Grimes and Slayton coming out of South Florida – definitely uh, will get drafted as well as Sean Davis. Those are my eight. I mean, I think that those guys for sure will hear their names called. And then after that, is somebody going to take a late-round flyer on Brett Hagee for the center, guy that has been a multi-year starter in the SEC, played multiple positions, showed that he's recovered from his early injury history. We'll see. I think that Evan McPherson probably has a chance to be that ninth guy 
And you mentioned too, you know, whether it's it's one of the other DBs or maybe Kyrie Campbell gets a chance to uh, hear his name called late. But that's kind of where Florida stands in my mind. But for them to to have that many selections, potentially, I do think they'll get to eight. But more importantly, and we'll talk to Ben Troop about this, to have that many offensive guys in play to be drafted, that's what you like to see. We know that the Gators have had a bunch of first-rounders and guys in, in, the, in the first few rounds get drafted on the defensive side of the ball, dating all the way back to the Muschamp years and even under the McElwain regime, and certainly even here recently, under Mullen with guys like C.J. Henderson. But now you're seeing some Florida offensive players go in day one, day two. That's what you like to see, and that's what it's going to take, I think, for the Gators to, to kind of go where they're trying to head. And right now we're going to head to this break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by Ben Troop to discuss his draft process, his time as a Gator and as a Titan, and also certainly his thoughts about Kyle Pitts and all these draftees for the 2021 class. We'll be right back after this break. joined by former Florida and NFL tight end Ben Troop here on the Gator Sports Podcast to talk about the NFL draft, his experience going through it. Certainly these Gators that are about to hear their names called. Ben, welcome to the podcast, my man. How's it going? Man, always good to be on with you fellas, man. Appreciate it. No, absolutely, man. Definitely a week that we wanted to have you on to talk about. Certainly Kyle Pitts, but we want to start with your experience, Ben, because you have been the highest drafted tight end in school history. You went in the in the second round back in the 2004 NFL draft, and, and obviously a great career here with the Gators. Um, take us back to that time as kind of we start things off. You know, what, what was it like, obviously, your time here in Gainesville uh, and the success that you were able to have, especially your final season, and then catapulting that to the draft experience and, and having your name called in the second round. Man, my time in Florida. My time in Florida was the greatest four years of my life because I didn't know how big Florida was. Like I, like I knew it was a big deal, but I didn't know how big of a deal it was. And me being young and naive kind of helped me flourish as a player as a teammate first and then as a player in the latter end of my career. And I think what happens is, you know, Florida is engulfing. I didn't understand about brands. I didn't understand about being a brand ambassador. And I didn't understand that I represented the biggest brand in the state. That's taking nothing away from Florida State, Miami, or even, you know, and that's, and that, and that's back when Miami was Miami. But I just think that when you think about Florida as a whole, man, it, it gave me, it gave me my, you know, the best training wheels to adulthood I ever have. When you look at the fact that, I'm from, I'm from Swainsboro, Georgia, graduated high school in Butler High School in Augusta, Georgia, got recruited by Steve Spurrier, the man, the myth, the legend. And <laughs> it's, it's one – Ron Zook was the coach I needed while, while Steve Spurrier was the, was the coach I chose. And when I look back on my career, you know, all these years later, to know you're still being recognized. I mean, that, you know, there's another, another number 84 this year, and which he took, he took the, the tight end position to another level. My career became what it became, and I was able to get drafted where I got drafted because I really, really embraced team. Like, I really, really embraced those guys around me. I benefited so much from Rex and Chris Leak. I benefited so much from Coach Double D and Ron <laughs> Zook. So when I look back on it, man, I said, look, man, I'm a byproduct. Think about it. I had the best, I had the best teammates at the best, at the best college, in the best conference, with the best resources, with the best facilities. I would hope that I would benefit – you know, from yeah. all those things, they made it so that a coach once told me, like, Ben, look, when you come out the huddle, 
when you when you running around, when you're doing what you're doing, that's what you coach to do. When the ball is in your hands, that's when your talent take over. That's what the world wants to see. But you got to and I and once I learned, he said, look, you do what you coach to do, man, you can have fun when the ball's in your hand. And that's what I learned how to do. So when I look back on my career, man, I say to myself, look, man, football got easy. It took me four years for it to get easy. But once it once it became second nature to you, man, I tell guys I go up against, man. I said, dude, I go up against Gus Scott in practice. I got Keywan Rattler. That go, that go Daryl Lee. You know, that go, <laughs> that go Bobby McCray and Channing Crowder. You think you finna cover me? No, dude, it's, it's, it's not you. It's just look what I got to go up against day in and day out. So when I look back on my career and how it ended up, it was a microcosm of being a great, great teammate first, you know, became a pretty good player at the end. But, man, I was at the University of Florida, man. I, I was in the most premier prestige seats in college football. Yep. And I wasn't trying to get that seat up, man. We was number one recruiting class in 2000, Brock Berlin and all them boys. So when I look back on it, man, when we talk about DBs, I played with Lito and Kiwan. When we talk about running backs, I played with Ernest Graham and Robert Gillespie, Cedric Faison to Deshaun Wynn and Channing Crowder at, at the linebacker position and Alex Brown and Gerard Warren. So people talk about big-time players. I said, look, man, we had, we had something to do with some of the big-time boys that came through games. Absolutely not, man. Now, before we get to your NFL draft process, uh, I want to talk about what you kind of remember and identify as maybe your favorite moment as a Gator, whether it's a game or, or certainly a win that you guys had. I think of one that, that might come to mind. And also, too, you know, second part of that question, what was it like just to have the fans embrace you the way that they did as a tight end and, you know, have the, the famous chant, Troop in the Swamp and all those memories? Man, uh, my favorite memory, I actually have two. My two favorite memories as a, as a player. One, uh, when uh, Bobby McCray uh, blocked the punt our junior year against uh, Auburn, man, it was so quiet in the swamp because we lost by a field goal to them being the number one ranked team in the country in 2000, I mean, in 2001 at Auburn. So, we, so Ron Zook, you know, got his first big win against the SEC West opponent. I mean, I remember that. My, 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 my most favorite moment as a, as a, as a Gator was 2002, but not my touchdown catch. It was Gus Scott picking off DJ Shockley. I mean, Gus Scott is from Jacksonville, grew up in Jacksonville, the bang them where they hang. And this boy picked off DJ Shockley, took it to the crib. I mean, I don't even know what type of, I'm, I'm going crazy like, I'm, like it's me, man, because me and Gus is really, really close. My, 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 uh, my favorite members as a Gator will never, ever be centered around me, man. I mean, when you get a chance to watch some of these players do some of the things they do. Keywan Rattler, I think, breaking the SEC uh, at the time, breaking the SEC uh, interception record, the last play of our last SEC game in South Carolina on a Hail Mary throw. I mean, I could, oh, no, Keywan had three picks against Arkansas, threw the third one up in the stands. I said, Keywan, crazy as hell. I'm just saying, man, this stuff, it's, too, <laughs> it's too many great memories, man. And, you know, as far as, like, the fans embracing me, it took me a little while to realize that's what they was doing. Because I'm like, are they booing me? And my mom go, you heard the troop chants at the end of the game. I said, oh, that's what they – and they did it when I was with the Titans too, man, to be able to have <laughs> – to be able to have Gator Nation, man, embrace you like that, man, because they've seen it all. Florida has seen every type of player there is. To know that I could provide that level of excitement at the tight end position at a, a position that wasn't – that didn't have the, the, the tradition it has now – Oh man, I'm always I'm all listen, I'm biased, man. You know, I I know we got the best fan base, you know, in the country, man. I've heard some of these opposing fans or these uh, these guys I played up against, man. They'd be like, man, what's wrong with y'all fan base? I said, you got the wrong colors on. That was wrong with us. You ain't got on the right colors. You gonna you we're gonna roll out the red carpet, but we're gonna give you that stepbrother treatment. Make no mistake about it. So I I I 
I'm forever indebted to Gator Nation, man. There is no place like the swamp. And like I said, man, if I could run out one more time, they're going to probably have to have an EMT out there to get me up off the field. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the best place there is, man. I know you said that Florida probably prepared you for everything that you were going to experience after college football, but everyone every single year talks about some unexpected questions, people falling and rising in the NFL draft. But what was your process like leading up to being that 40th overall pick there in the draft? What did you experience? Did you face some weird questions? You got to tell us. It was nerve-wracking. I'm not it, – it, it was the it was the best, most frightening, terrifying <laughs> moment in your life because this is what you work for, to be at the combine. That go Bill Belichick. That go Tom Coughlin. That go Mike Tyson who was the head coach of Minnesota at the time and, you know, Steve Marinucci and all these guys. But you start realizing, dude, these dudes weird. Because they know, <laughs> they, they, they know X's and O's. They don't, they don't, most of them don't have personality. It's, yeah. it's manufactured, right? They, they've already built up a name for themselves. So you're going up to them, but they're not real good at conversation. You know, they, they're not real mm. good at, you know, really talking just life. They could talk everything reversed back to football. Ben, if you were a boat, would you want to be a yacht or a speedboat? I said, I would want to be driving them. I don't want to be no boat, you know, but, but these are the type of things they're asking you, you know, I mean, being what type of animal, you know, what type of animal in the jungle would you want to be? I'll be, I'll want to be the animal that kills you, that mauls you to death. Like, cause what do I say to these type questions? But the weirdest thing about the whole draft process and all these different things is you have to do it. You have to answer every question. You got to go to every meeting. You got to sit here and go through the Cleveland Browns had a psychiatrist. I said, well, y'all need therapy with this freaking organization. I mean, I'm just, is this mine? So it's, it's it, but at the same time, this is what you've earned. You've earned the opportunity to be interviewed by the best coaches of the greatest of the best teams in the world. But, the, but you have to hold back too, man. Cause you know, some of these organizations aren't good and they talking to you like, you know, Arrogant. Yeah, as, as if like you can play for them. <laughs> That's wild, man. That's just wild. Now, obviously, uh, you know, you got the draft night and, and, and that whole weekend. Uh, just just what was that moment like, Ben, to hear your name called, find out where your destination was, and to share that moment with your moment with your family and friends? Man, it, it ended up well. It started off, it started off bad because of the 30 second pick. So sitting there, my agent tells me, hey. You won't go higher than 20. You won't go lower than 40. So all I hear is, okay, I'm going to go 20. I can care less about 40 because, you know, you're 21 years old. You want It's all about the first round, right? The first round means that's the validation of your career, which looking back on it, I was just young and crazy and just I just wanted to go first round. So I remember uh, being at my dad's friend's house, sitting in a room, whole bunch of cam- – all the major news organizations in Augusta, Georgia were sitting there. It was, a, it was cramped in this little room. I'm like, they couldn't give us a bigger room with a TV. <laughs> so we camera people in the TV. And I was using uh, the pastor of my church, Pastor Christine Peebles. Uh, she is the pastor of uh, Victory Temple, Church of Reconciliation in Swainsboro, Georgia. She gave me her cell phone because I knew that my family members, my family members ignorant. They were going to be calling me all day, man. So I'm like, I don't want to deal with them. So I used her phone number. So I'm sitting there, sitting there. I remember this, man. Patriot, I mean, Paul Tagliabue walks up, to the, walks up to the podium and says, with the 32nd pick in the 2004 NFL Draft, the New England Patriots select Benjamin. I go, yes, Watson. Uh, tight end out of University of <laughs> I said, I hate B.Y. And I love him, obviously, but I'm like, I hate the fact his name is Benjamin. So I'm already in a mood. Yeah. That's it. I'm not going first round. So in my mind, all right, 
I didn't I didn't make it. You know, just crazy things. So he come. He, I remember the 39th pick was a dude named Daryl Smith. Uh, uh, he was a linebacker out of Georgia Tech, and I actually played with him. I actually played with Daryl in the Florida Georgia High School All Star game to beat Florida. Uh, and I caught the game with a touchdown pass from none other than David Green. Who right. went to Georgia, which is which is which is crazy. What a connection. I, so I remember the 39th pick, I'm saying it. So my phone rings and I look down 615 area code. It ain't like cell phones now to where it tell you this the, the state that the area code is in. If the number ain't in your phone, I go, hello. And he goes, Hey, man, it's Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher the Titans. I'm like, how you doing, coach? He goes, You but you he said you ready to be a Titan? I'll go, yeah. And that's it. That's all he said. He gave the phone to like Floyd Reese, the uh the GM. And that was it. It wasn't no, oh my God, we got him. It ain't like the stuff you see now. They they showing these GMs clapping. They sure. was like, all right, make the call. But it was relief because it was over. Yeah. You know, my, my draft experience and Isaac West, a guy that I played with uh at Butler High School who went to Furman. <sighs> you can't make this stuff up. Who his quarterback was none other than Angle Martin. Angle wow. Martin transferred to Furman through the minutes. You can't make so I think what happens for me. What I remember the most about my draft day experience is my former teammate came from Augusta, Georgia, to Swainsboro, Georgia. Back when your phones used to roam, back when the biggest phone was a flip phone and, and, and there was no GPS, so you got to know where the hell you going. And he came and saw me, man. So I appreciate that. And the fact that, you know, I mean, uh, it's listen, the most famous guy from Swainsboro is not me. The most famous guy from Swainsboro is Ray Guy. The Ray Guy punter award, he's from Swainsboro. So all Living of that, in the shadow. It's, it's, yeah, so I, so I just think that for me, when I got drafted, you know, it was me and my family. It was, it was, it was my grandparents and my parents and my sisters, brothers. You know, I had a couple of nephews at the time, no nieces at the time. And I think what happens is it's surreal because somebody thought that enough of, enough of me to still make – I was still the first pick of the team, first of 14. We had 14 picks that year. I just it's 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 humbling, man. Because at the end of the day, I'm a tight end. I know it's a glamour position now. It was not a glamour position then, but out of a running back, safety, quarterback, linebacker, O lineman, D lineman, you thought that the best player for this team right now was a tight end. Hey, man, I'm I'm forever indebted to Jeff Fisher and uh, Floyd Reese. And and uh, tw- in 2019, when the draft was in Nashville, I got to go back to Nashville, but I was working the draft, you know, as a part of the media. So it's, this stuff is crazy. That's awesome, man. Now, now obviously, your, your opportunity to play in Tennessee. Uh, before we talk about these guys that are going to start their NFL careers, I want to ask about yours and and what that experience was like. And I know you didn't get a chance to be uh, Aaron Kenny's teammate in college, but you got that chance in the NFL. Did you guys cross paths at all during your recruiting process? No, 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 I didn't. No, I didn't. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I watched one uh, Florida-Georgia game growing up, and when I saw it uh, – Aaron Kenny was catching the pass, man, that big old 88 with that dark visor with the, with the cowboy on. Yeah. And I'm like, I said, that's a tight end. I said, man, that dude big, man. I don't know how I get that big. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but what happens is EK took me under his wing. Like, every great player in the NFL needs somebody to bring them under their wing or even have any, any, any type of career. Aaron, Aaron Kenny never treated me like the competition. He treated me like his little brother. Aaron EK, like five, six years older than me. He gave me a cell phone number. I met his wife, Julie. I got the babysitting. Well, if you want to call it babysitting his kids back then, they, they kind of like, those kids, like, they used me, man. They like, this boy right here, he don't know what he's doing. He ain't got no kids. But at, but at the same time, Aaron Kenny is a complete tight end because he can do it all. He can get out there in the pass game. 
He's not, he's not a liability in the run game. He taught me how to be a pro. See, what people fail to understand is getting drafted makes me a professional athlete. That don't make me a pro. See, and, and I had to learn how to be a, a pro simply, in the simplest terms, knows what to do and doesn't, knows where to be and he's there. While uh, being a professional athlete is learning how to get it right. Being a pro, I don't know how to get it wrong. Because this is what I do. EK had to show me that. And EK told me, boy, I'm so happy you're here. And I go, why? He said, because I'm tired of running deep routes. I'm tired of it. I don't do that no more. <laughs> and, and, and we became, EK is my, one of my, he, he's my big brother to this day. He, he was a friend. There aren't a lot of friends in the NFL because of the business. Man, sure. this man went against the grain for me, man. He, he knew there was something that I lacked. And he gave it to me, man. And because of him, man, I, if EK is not in Tennessee, man, I probably don't make it there two years because because I don't I, I have to figure it out on my own. Yep. But because of him, oh man, EK, that's and and EK man was a fight. He was a he was a he was a firefighter while he was a player. When Jeff Fisher House was on fire, EK, he looked up on the roof and EK's up there putting the fire out. I no mean, way. EK's that dude. So yeah, man, I owe EK my whole career, man. I mean, him and his wife and his family. I mean, he meant so much to me, man, because this man showed me how to be a pro. So now when I talk to future stars, yeah, I was never a pro bowler. Yeah, I was never a Super Bowl winner, but I was a pro. And I've never seen a tight end that could do something in the league that I can't do. And I'm never inferior to no other player, but I could talk to any one of them. I'm not bitter. And EK taught me that, man, because EK was a hell raiser, man. EK used to maul people. I used to talk trash in the running game because I know it ain't going to be random my side. It's going to be random EK side. But I'll talk <laughs> trash – but at the end of the day, man, a Gator, listen, two Gators that helped my career. EK showed me how to be a pro on the field and a, and a, and a, and a father off the field. Kevin Carter, who I played with with the Bucks and, and uh, the Titans, showed me how to be an all-around entrepreneur away from football. These dudes are – they the truth in what they do. Trust yep. me. That's awesome. Obviously, you said it as well. The position was not as glamorous – back then the tight end position as it is regarded right now where we have Kyle Pitts being discussed as a potential top five pick. Just what are your thoughts on how the position has evolved since you were drafted in 2004 and just some of your thoughts on some of the tight ends who since you have helped kind of pave the way as well for what Kyle Pitts is about to do here tomorrow night? I think, uh, I think, I think this, I think the position has uh, finally grown to what it's always was supposed to be. I mean, you, uh, to me, I, Shannon Sharps and Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates of the world, don't, don't get enough credit for what they've done because they was ahead of their time. Travis Kelsey is the second coming of Tony Gonzalez. George Kittle and Zach Ertz. And these guys was doing it in a way that nobody else was doing it. Most tight ends going to do put up tight end numbers. These guys are making it so that guys are literally saying, let me get up to about 240, 245 so I can be a tight end. I've never heard that. I've never heard guys say, I want to be a tight end. But that's what Gronkowski has done, and Travis Kelsey has done, and George Killer has done, you know, and uh, Greg Olson has done, and Jimmy Graham has done, and the list goes on and on. Kyle Pitts, to me, is the the. I mean, he's the child of all of those people. All those tight ends birthed this guy. Mm. Like when you say, if I went to a lab and I wanted to carve out what a tight end is. Somebody yells, how tall do you want to be? Six six. All right, six six. They putting in the coordinates. How fat, how how long you want his arms to be? Give him the longest wingspan of a tight end ever. All right, put it in. How fast you want to be? Man, I want him to have four four speed. All right, four four five. Boop. Hey man, he plays in Florida. His name is uh, Kyle Pitts. What? That's a real person. 
Like, and Kyle Pitts, to me, he knows he's good now, but he's always referring to his teammates. But on that field, away from football, man, Kyle Pitts looks like he plays two guard for the Lakers, man. <laughs> right? On that field, somebody said the best. He's LeBron at football. This dude is, it's scary how good he, thank God he go to Florida, because if you went to Georgia, wouldn't want to talk about him. If you went to Florida State, wouldn't want to talk about him. But he won them 84. He had a plan. He said, I want a brick. I want to be the best tight end in the country. And I want to be the highest tight end ever drafted. He got a chance to do that. Kyle Pitts, you can't exaggerate. Like most guys, they have limitations. Kyle Pitts doesn't have a limitation. You have to make lies up about him because the dude can flat out do it all. He missed games. I mean, what he did against Ole Miss is good enough for, you know, I mean, I had five touchdowns in the season. He had four in one game. Man, the list goes on and on about this young man, but I do think that Kyle Pitts for the, for the tight end position will do what Patrick Mahomes is doing for the quarterback position as far as, like, just notoriety and, like, visibility. Oh, he'll, he'll birth the next generation of tight ends. Dirk Nowitzki is the reason why the big man is no longer there in the NBA. Everybody, you know, Joel Embiid want to shoot threes. He don't want to be a big man because of Dirk. Kurt, I, th- I think that Kyle Pitts has the ability because he built like a greyhound. He can go out there and run routes like a receiver. He still puts his hand in the, in the ground to block, but he's a great teammate. And I can see that. And to me, that's why he's a great player because he embraces his team first. You, you're a great teammate. Oh, you got a chance to be a hell of a player, and that's what he is. Pulling your experience into it, how much better do you think he could even get? I mean, I think that part of the reason he's this hyped is because of the monumental improvements he made from that sophomore to junior year uh, in a time when you really didn't have full access to facilities in a sense. What do you think his ceiling is in a sense here? And how much better, based on your remember, memory, do you remember improving from that junior to senior year? Whew, man, it's light years. You're not even the same player. You go back and look at yourself on the tape. When you were younger, you don't even see the same player. And I, and I mean this in the most highest regard ever. I think Kyle Pierce can be Shannon Sharp. And I'm going to say that because of this. They're, they're built really similar, right? Shannon Sharp had a 2,000-yard rush and won the Super Bowl and was a Pro Bowl. I had the league's leading rusher at a 2,000-yard rush. I had the best quarterback. I was the best tight end on the best team in the NFL. That's about as good as you can be. He's not going to win regular season MVP. We've already had the year of Gronk. Can we have the year? Can we have the year of Kyle? I can see it happening. But you're not going to play the tight end position to me better than Shannon Sharp because Shannon Sharp has the accolades to go along with the player. Mm-hmm. Like he got three Super Bowl rings, did it for two different teams. I mean, the Ravens was that defense, Jamal Lewis, Ishmael, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, Shannon Sharp, because, I mean, I, God bless him, Trent Dilfer was a quarterback. Come on, man. Let, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. So, for me, if his career becomes that of Shannon Sharp to where he got Super Bowl rings, Shannon Sharp's the reason why I wear 84. Kyle Pitts going to be the reason why whatever number he wears, other young men want to wear. He has that type of star ability. But, yeah, I mean, I love all the tight ends, but me, the greatest one that I've ever seen is, 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 is Shannon Sharp because he was ahead of his time. And I just think that Kyle Pitts, that's what he can hope to become. We're talking with former Florida NFL tight end Ben Troop. Uh, ben, just to wrap things up with you, obviously Kyle not the only guy that, that could hear his name called in the first couple of days of this draft. And more importantly, we're seeing a lot of offensive players 
now being draft prospects at the University of Florida, which, as you know, hadn't happened a lot in the last decade. I mean, you had three wide receivers drafted last year. That was the most of any team in the country. You're going to have three pass catchers drafted once again this year, along with Kyle Trask. Just for you as a former player, what's it been like to kind of see the, the offensive uh, you know, players and, and that system be revived in the last few years? The, the, uh, the Dan Mullen effect, the Coach Gonzalez effect, the Coach Brewster effect. You're seeing the development. People are always talking about these, these uh, recruiting classes, right? How many players got drafted on them classes? <laughs> that's how I judge it, right? So when I'm thinking about it, I mean, Van Jefferson got hurt, still went second round. You know, you talk, you talk about the contributions of what Cleveland did. You talk about, you know, Freddie Insane Swain, what he did out there. You talk about, you talk about the fact that, you know, these guys are the best. Kadarius Tony had just as good of a senior bowl, you know, you know, uh, had he went as some of these other guys. I, I just think that for me, it comes down to development. And dare I say, you know, Florida is doing it in a way that nobody else is doing it. These guys are playing, not just making rosters, not just making teams. These guys are key contributors. Look, number one, the Atlanta Falcons, they love, they love, uh, you know, former Gators, former, uh, Florida Gators. You know the Jaguars do. The Jets look like Florida in the secondary. Yeah. I mean, you got, a bunch of, got a bunch of Florida guys. But I just say it comes down to development. Florida is getting back to not just doing it on Saturdays during the year. They doing it on Sundays during the year. You seeing a bunch of Florida Gators all over. And like I said, man, it just comes down to development. I'm happy for those guys. I love the fact that they're talking about where they came from every time you talk about, man, at the University of Florida. Because that's your biggest recruitment, right? Guys on the next level talking about, you know, paying homage to the team they came from. So I'm happy to see it because you're right, it has been a long time. Michael P. Ryan doing it for the running back. Joe Hayden going to get like 11 to 12. Who, who was a more who was a, who was a bigger brother, who was a bigger duo as brothers than the Pouncer Twins, even though both of them just retired? You know, I'm just saying Florida's doing it. So we're doing it with the older guys. We're doing it with the season vets, and we're doing it with the guys coming in. That's the best way to do it yeah. because Kyle Pitts, unfortunately, for Coach Brewster and them, they're going to be out there looking for the next Kyle Pitts. Good luck with that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, no, man, I, I'm, I'm happy for those guys. You know, I played with Gerard Warren, big money, who went number three overall. I remember when Dante Fowler Jr. went number three overall. Kyle Pitts got a chance to be the highest draft and tight end ever. And the Gators haven't Gators haven't had a tight end drafted since Jordan Reed, who just that, and shout out to Jordan Reed, who just who just retired, who had an incredible career. What but a career, yeah, now, yeah. But listen, Kadarius Tony, he's gonna make a team very happy. Everybody want to talk about Kyle Pitts. You better look at that boy Kyle Trash, who wore number eleven of of you know of uh, of Steve Spurrier, who was a Heisman Trophy finalist, who hadn't played football for seven years. Uh, let's see if the Eric King end up being a Heisman Trophy finalist. Nothing against the Eric King. But let's see. So I'm just saying with the storylines, the player profiles, what they're doing, I'm looking forward to every last one of those boys. Uh, you know, Stone Forsythe, play up, play. Why, he he going to have a Marcus Gilbert type career. Yep. I'm telling you, it's, it's so many storylines, but I'm happy for all of them. I don't, I don't think it matters where you get drafted. It's about what you do after you get drafted. I think a lot of these boys, while we're talking so much about Kyle Pitts is going to be the headliner, obviously, but I just think at the end of the day, you know, Florida's, Florida's back on the map, man. They're not going nowhere, and people going to talk about it's supposed to be the year for them boys in Athens. Well, what happened with the all-SEC schedule? Oh, y'all was second in the East. So I'm just saying, I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. The draft starts, you know, tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. I hope the Kyle go number four to Atlanta. I grew up an Atlanta Falcons fan. I can't stand the Patriots. 28-3 gets on my nerves. We should have won it. 
But I'm just happy for them, man. And I'm not happy for them because I got drafted. I'm happy because those boys put themselves in a position to be drafted. No doubt, man. And final thing, you mentioned Steve Spurrier. I cannot let you go without getting a Spurrier story. And, you know, you you do a great job of telling stories. So I'm sure you got several uh, from the head ball coach. But he obviously just celebrated his birthday recently. Um, but, but why don't you give us one before you get up on out of here? I got, I got, I got, I got two, I got two equipment. So when I got my, my cousin Purcell, um, he's like 10 years older than me. Going back to the recruiting trail, we, I didn't come from a, a big, a prestigious high school. So when people talk about recruiting, I didn't even know they talk about me. I'm like, oh, you talking about me? Cause we didn't know what it was. We had guys go to like, you know, uh, Valdosta State, South Carolina State, but we, but no big time recruits. And I got recruited with, uh, uh, Isaac West, who I told you went to Furman, and uh, Carlos Rogers, who ended up going to Auburn with the seventh pick in the draft uh, in 2005. What happened was my, co- uh, my cousin said, listen, when uh, Coach Spurrier come to your crib, man, do not tell that man no. I'm thinking to myself, man, what the hell is he talking about? Why would Steve Spurrier come to my house? Because I don't know about recruiting. Sure. So this is just how it was. Steve Spurrier come to the crib. My dad knocked on the door. They go, <laughs> he goes, how you doing, Benny? Like, That's his dad. Oh, oh, oh. You know, because my dad was, a, you know, re- really, really young for, you know, look, looking for his age. We come in, they give us the whole spiel. Host Spurry about to go to sleep. They, they nudge him, and he goes, hey, Benny, you going to be with us? I said, what did my cousin say? I go, yes, sir. I'm, go- I'm going to Florida, right? Fast forward it, go to Florida. I got to go to Coach Spurry's house. Like, I'm at his crib, real modest crib. But his trophy room was serious. I said, dude, SEC coach of the year, SEC coach of the year, national champion, SEC champion. He said, he said, Benny, that go to Heisman right there. Right there in the center. They go to hide. So I walk over to it, and I almost touch it. He said, all right, that's enough. Everybody out. I'm like, I almost, and this is way before everything going viral, right? <laughs> I, I almost touched that thing. I go, now I'm a part of the media, at SEC Media Days. Coach Furrier came down Radio Row to tell everybody on Radio Row, I'm not doing radio interviews. I said, what the hell? I'm not doing it, right? That's what he's saying. I come out the bathroom, that goes go Steve McClain, SID, Sports Information Director. Yeah. He looks around and goes, hey, Benny, you want to interview? I'm like, he said, he said, he'll do it for you. <laughs> we walk down to my booth. We sit down. He give me about five, six minutes. He said, all right, Benny, love you, man. I'm out of here. That's what I appreciate the most about Coach Perry. I'm not Jacquez Green. I'm not Shane Matthews. I'm not Danny Warfel. I'm Benjamin Troop from I filled out a slot in the 2000 uh, recruiting class. I might have caught one touchdown pass while he was at Florida, and he still remembers me. But he remembers me as a person, yep. not just as a, as, a, as a former player. So I'm indebted to him. I know he got his restaurant down there, man. Maybe he might have a plan there for me. Probably don't. But, I mean, I'm going to go down there and check it out. But, yeah, man, Coach Spurrier, to me, as great as he is as a coach, I think he's an be- even greater human being because I think he found a way to have an individual relationship with every single player he's ever coached. Not the same level. But, uh, of course, he's going to appreciate me, man. I ain't the reason, I'm never the reason why he threw a headset, man. That's the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, man. I'm happy for him, man. He he is a true rock star to still have that much star power in your 70s. Hey, man, I'm trying to be like him, and I think they pay him to be himself down there. But I'm trying to get I'm trying to get one of those type of deals. Yeah, no doubt, man. And I tell you what, after the way uh, Kyle the Kyle to Kyle connection performed last season, maybe they ought to think about retiring that number 11, number 84 now, and, and, I, and hang it up. I listen. I don't know about the 84. I hope that the 84. Becomes the new tradition, kind of like LSU with their number seven, that the best tight end, you know, on the team wears number 84. Well, right now, uh, Elksness has got it, and, and he's got some potential. Right, and, right, and out, of, right out of Duval. 
Yeah, and and I think that Kyle Pitts even said, "Yeah, man, I think he's good enough to win." I, I, it's funny, man. Listen, I ain't, look. It's some great players came through water eighty four, man. I hope that it stays with the tight end position, man. I hope them boys keep doing it justice. I'm, I thank God that I came before Kyle because I would not be wanting to be come behind that act. <laughs> it sounds like we're trying to get some of your thoughts on these NFL uniform changes that you've heard recently. How do you feel about that? I, I wish they wasn't so bland. Like, like if it's going to be a uniform, like, you know, like when they say, hey, man, we're going to have a uniform reveal. I'm like, all right, where is it? That's oh, it. I mean about anyone wearing the numbers now. Oh, you no, know, no, no. Well, you know what? I will say this about the number thing, right? If you could just switch numbers, you 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 weren't good at the mm-hmm. number. You, you, I'm, I want to be so good at the number of men. Like, I know that, uh, I know that, Pat, I mean, uh, I know that uh, uh, Patrick Peterson going back to number seven, dude. Come on, man. Like, you know, I get it. But at the same time, I want to make the number of men famous yep. to the point mm-hmm. where, yes, I, now, do I go out and go put my name on the back of a jersey that I used to, you know, or the number I used to have? But I wore, I was blessed enough to wear 84 in high school, 84 in college, 84 in the pros. I wore number 86 my rookie year, but I'm just saying, I'm like Tom Brady, man. Listen, man, just because just because they say you can, don't do it. Let the rookies do it. They don't have numbers yet. But you all right. You might be good in the number you had. You might suck at the, at, at the new number. Then you're going to blame it on the number. Leave it alone. <laughs> I don't want to see no tight end wearing number one, man. Stick with them 80 numbers, man. I think, listen, I'm with I you. mean, Dallas Clark made number 44 smooth when he was, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, with them coats. But I just think that just because you can don't mean you should. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more of my dad every day. If you guys see me walk around my, with my t-shirt tucked in, it's <laughs> over for me. It's over. <laughs> no doubt, man. Well, I tell you what, uh, we really enjoyed uh, catching up with you, Ben. It, it was a, a, a pleasure to hear all these stories and memories that you share with us. I will, man. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm super duper proud of Kyle. Both cows, KT, Grimes. You know, foresight. All those guys are gonna get a chance to hear their name called, man. Uh, I can't remember the other tight end that used to play at Florida. He transferred in, but they let him work out at his pro day. I had a chance to interview him. I'm just, I'm just happy for all of them, man. I don't, I don't. It's not about who you are and the way you get drafted. You represent them orange and blue boys, or you got a friend over here and me because them boys up there in Athens, they know what it is. Absolutely. Well, that's Ben Troop, ladies and gentlemen. True, as all the Florida fans like to call him. Appreciate you joining us, my man. Appreciate it. for joining us on this week's episode some really great stuff talking about his time as a gator and certainly his thoughts about kyle pitts some really high praise there and it was just great to hear from ben you can understand why he's in radio up there in georgia he kills it he yeah. absolutely kills it i mean great storyteller as well you could tell that he had some great stories about steve spurrier fantastic uh to get his opinion here and you know i really loved hearing what he had to say about how the position has evolved because i think that there have been so many model tight ends here whatever you want to call them marketable tight ends i think is a better way and, and mentioning george kittle travis kelsey you have to remember that those guys should give credit to the guys who came before them and play the position before it was as glamorous as it is now. And I just love to get that perspective. Yeah, because it's definitely going to continue with Pitts. And as he mentioned, uh, Troop, you're going to have those kids that look at Patrick Mahomes and the way that he's revolutionized the quarterback position. I think Pitts will do that for the tight end spot. And you'll have kids wanting to grow up to be tight ends, which you don't really write. Everybody wants to be a running back, a receiver, or a quarterback. 
So, but that'll do it for this week's episode. Certainly when we come back next week, we'll talk about some of the other sports here on campus. We'll see how the Gators fare against Vanderbilt, a big time matchup at Florida ballpark. And uh, we'll certainly inch closer to college football recruiting and that getting ready to start in the month of June. But first and foremost, we got to see how this draft goes this weekend. Good luck to all the Gators out there. Thanks again to Ben True for joining us. And thanks to you all for listening. For Graham Hall, I'm Zach Albaverde. No one.